You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an episode of Locked On NFL. We are filling in, as always. I know Matt Williamson does a phenomenal job here on the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. He's taking a well-deserved vacation, but you've had fill-ins all week. And I'm Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos and Broncos Insider for the Locked On NFL Network. And I'm joined by Bo Bragg today, also a co-host over there from the Locked On Cardinals podcast. And we're excited to be talking Broncos storylines for training camp, Arizona Cardinals storylines for training camp, and taking a look at the AFC West and the NFC West and seeing where these teams fit in the midst of everything. And obviously, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Locked On NFL podcast today. Today's sponsor of the show is our good friends over there at Blue Chew. We'll tell you about them a little bit later, but uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke. NFL and then uh, Bo, how are you how you doing, man? I, I know the Cardinals reported to uh, practice yesterday. They're continuing today. You're going to hear from Cliff Spear. You're going to hear from Kyler Murray today. Broncos have been reporting for camp because they have the Hall of Fame game next Thursday against the Falcons. Man, football is back. I'm excited. Yeah, you should be excited. You should feel like Steve Ballmer, Clippers owner, was today for or yesterday for the Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, pumped to be here and pumped to be at this stage as far as the NFL offseason is concerned. We're at the finish line. Teams are reporting, and we're staring down preseason football. Teams actually taking the field for the first time. As he mentioned, the Hall of Fame game up first, and then the rest of the teams will follow suit in about two weeks. And uh, in two weeks, Cardinals will finally take the field. We'll finally see what we've been just kind of discussing pretty much every single, down to every little small detail, what the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray duo is going to look like. And we'll finally see it in action August 8th. And we're going to dive a lot into that on today's episode of Locked On NFL, as well as some Broncos camp storylines. Obviously, rookie quarterbacks might be a theme of today's show as we talk about Broncos quarterback Drew Locke, rookie guy. And uh, we'll get a little bit later. And then obviously, Kyler Murray having a lot of expectations coming in his way after being drafted with the first overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. But with that said, today's episode of the show, segment number one, Bo and I, we're going to analyze the Arizona Cardinals in depth on what's going on with them as they make a push in a very, very tough division. Segment number two, we're going through some of the storylines happening at Broncos camp. I was at Broncos camp yesterday. I'm there as well today covering all the action with the Denver Broncos. And in segment number three, as always, we're going to dive into the AFC and the NFC West. So really to kind of kick off this episode of Locked On NFL, Bo, let's dive into the Cardinals. So I want to talk about them first off and foremost. Obviously the biggest move for them this offseason outside of the addition of Kyler Murray. Obviously going with the new coach, a new head coach, which to me was really shocking, trading away Josh Rosen, Larry Fitzgerald resigning, and obviously a new defensive coordinator and some defensive additions. But let's start off with the new head coach. Now, last year, they only gave Steve Wilkes one year, and they decided to fire him. I know the Broncos and the Cardinals played last year. And, you know, I, I felt as if the Cardinals organization, and I, I'm really eager to hear your opinion on this, I, I just don't feel like giving up on a coach after one year, and even let alone that, giving up on a first-round pick at quarterback after one year, that to me is one of the riskiest things that I think we've seen happen in the NFL lately, and I'm eager to see how these new moves are going to affect them. What are your thoughts on the changes that have happened within the Arizona Cardinals franchise's offseason? Yeah, so much to unpack, about as much as any organization right now in the NFL is concerned as far as those storylines and what's going on you know, at the top of this organization and in the, in the contingent of Steve Kime, their general manager, 
And their team president, basically their owner, their CEO, Michael Bidwell, decided to stick with Steve Kime despite you know, his recent struggles in identifying talent in the NFL draft and making the correct moves as far as constructing this roster. They decided to move forward with Kime at the general manager position and move on from first-year head coach Steve Wilkes. And we really haven't seen that. We've seen it within the division in the NFC West. San Francisco 49ers did it a pair of times. Uh, and Jim Tom Sula, and they did it with Chip Kelly. As far as one-and-done head coaches, as far as the first-round pick quarterback moving on from them after one year, that's kind of unprecedented. It's happened in NFL history, I think, three times. But they decided to move on from Josh Rosen after just one lone season and go with Kyler Murray, who is pretty much tailored to new head coach Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Um, but there were so many things that happened this this offseason. Steve Kime was kind of put in a position where it's tough to be unsuccessful. When you are you have the number one overall pick, you're going to have the number one pick in each and every round. You're going to have the number one waiver priority. You're going to have ample cap space to really retool your roster and rebuild this roster that was just so terrible in 2018 that went 3-13. and um, And I think Kime did a decent job of that. I think if anything, it's going to be a better product on the field. Um, it's it's not going to be as you you and I both witnessed Thursday night football where the Broncos actually just beat the the pus out of the Cardinals forty five to ten. Um, I think you'll see a more competitive team. Whether that's going to put them back into contention, that remains to be seen. But it, it's it, it what this offseason season has definitely done has turned the page on twenty eighteen, and I think that's what this organization really wanted to do is they wanted to kind of rip the twenty eighteen season out of the history books of the Arizona Cardinals and just move forward with not a whole lot left outside of Larry Fitzgerald comes back. He resigns that, you know, he comes back for another year, his 16th season in the NFL. And then Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell remain the decision makers despite their missteps. And I think that they can't argue that uh, as far as where they went with the head coach last year and where they went this year. You know, I think ultimately, too, when I go back and I look at all those moves, you know, it, it is a gamble because you know this as well as I do. The talk of the offseason revolved around, okay, who's going to be the next Sean McVay? And all of a sudden here emerges Cliffsbury as the candidate for the Arizona Cardinals. They they obviously make him the official head coach for them. And, and there was some coyness going on when he first started saying, you know, Josh Rosen's our guy. He's our quarterback. And then we, I think everybody in the media world, I think anybody with any kind of common sense knew that Kyler Murray was going first overall. And I know there were some reports out there trying to lean towards Bosa being the possible guy, but all along it was Kyler Murray. Now the question for him, for Kyler Murray, we saw a little bit too. I, I like to reference the Alabama game. Phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete, but Alabama was able to get pressure on him and use their size, I think, to their advantage in that game plan. Now, he did emerge a little bit later on in that late first half, going into the second half to kind of almost rally Oklahoma a little bit. But what Oklahoma had to do with him was widen the splits of the O-line a little bit. The NFL, we see defensive linemen and, and inside backers that are predominantly a lot bigger than what you see at the college level. Do you see this being an issue for Kyler Murray as he translates to the professional game? Yeah, no doubt about it. What's a better test than Alabama's defense? I mean, it's got to be the closest thing that resembles an NFL defense. 
at the NCAA level. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's where we're, you saw the separation between what the rest of the NCAA was able or unable to do against Kyler Murray in his Heisman Trophy winning campaign and what a team like Alabama can do and make him uncomfortable and get him out and really has to utilize his athleticism to make plays and also has to utilize his ability to just see the field. And, and we all know about the height restrictions that he's got, right? He's just over 5'10", and he's one of the shortest quarterbacks in NFL history. So there are going to be – there are so many things as far as Kyler Murray, so many question marks following this number one overall pick that we haven't really seen before. I mean, we, we see the arm strength. We see the elite athleticism. We see you know his background playing at Oklahoma that has produced several NFL quarterbacks, including number one pick Baker Mayfield, who was the rookie of the year offensive last year uh, but there still remains those questions of does his game translate to the NFL level can his speed be dynamic enough to make the plays necessary uh, I think the answer is yes can Cliff Kings coupled with Cliff Kingsbury's offense that also kicks it into another gear and you know what's interesting is as we go into training camp is Kyler Murray is pretty much the most up-to-date uh, most well-versed in Cliff Kingsbury's offense to anybody else in the locker room. So that, that kind of gives you a little bit of advantage. Uh, this is a team that wants to get rid of the football in two and a half seconds. Kyler Murray, with his speed, that's going to help with your offensive line, maybe where you have some uh, shortcomings there on your offensive line, that can help. That can help also probably – cutting the field in half. He's got plenty of targets to throw to. We mentioned Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, after a successful rookie season's coming back for a second year. They're expecting big things from him. They had they invested the wide receiver position in the draft. They went Andy Isabella in the second-round pick. They got that from the Josh Rosen trade. And then also Hakeem Butler, who is just an athletic freak, you know, 6'5", runs a 4'3". He's going to be a fourth-rounder out of Iowa State that I think they want to have take off the top of the defense. Um, and then David Johnson is, is looked at as a guy that needs to have a bounce back here. So there's plenty of weapons. There's some safety valves there for Murray. It, I, I don't think it's going to be a rookie year like you saw with Mayfield, uh, where he's really you know leading the charge and he's the guy that's making the plays. I think Kyler Murray is going to rely on a lot of his playmakers to get it done for him. And I think that Murray offers kind of a, a, a different edge like a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson would, as opposed to a Darnold and Mayfield, where you kind of get your traditional sense of, of, of throwing quarterback. And that makes sense, too. It's going to be interesting, too, because you, the Cardinals are in one of the toughest divisions in football. you got to go against Aaron Donald, Wade Phillips, Aqib Tlaib, the, the ferocious defense that they have down there in L.A. And then you also have to play the Seahawks, who I think are transforming. Having Russell Wilson still makes him very, very dangerous. Their defense is also still evolving as well. The 49ers still trying to make some climbs, getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. Their defense trying to evolve a little bit as well. It's a division that has a lot of question marks, too, but at the same time, I also factor in coaching, which makes me want to bring up this point here before we get to segment number two in just a moment. But the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, now Vance Joseph, former head coach of the Denver Broncos. We know about him quite a bit. We obviously previously defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins several years back. Now, the thing that I want to talk about a little bit, too, I look at the the dynamic. You're going to lose Patrick Peterson for some games for some uh, suspension for PEDs. And then you're also, I mean, you did get a, a nice addition in the offseason to Terrell Suggs. But outside of that, I mean, still there's some questions defensively. Yeah, you have Chandler Jones as well, who's an absolute stud. But I, I think the biggest thing, too, that I think Cardinals fans might see is you're going to see a lot of zone coverage. You're going to see a lot of cover three. And also, you're going to see times where you see some man-to-man coverage 
coverage. And Vance Joseph sometimes has a tendency to stay in man coverage when he doesn't necessarily have the guys suitable for that coverage. Now, without Patrick Peterson, you know, are the Cardinals able to run 99% of man coverage? I, I have no idea about that. But what are your quick takes before we get to segment number two on Vance Joseph and the addition of him as defensive coordinator? Yeah, the biggest key is he, he's returning this team to the 34 defense, which was the biggest misstep probably of the Steve Wilkes, you know, short era where he went to a 43 defense after the success that Bruce Arians and, um, you know, all the, as far as the the Cardinals defense went for that five-year stretch where they really were a force to be reckoned with, um, you know, whether it was Todd Bowles, you know, calling the calling the shots or – but it was, it was one of those things where they went away from the 34. They're going back to it. They're going to take a guy at Chandler Jones and stand him back upright. He's going to go hopefully have the same success that he's had uh, the last couple seasons. And as you mentioned, he had 13 sacks. But beyond Chandler Jones, you know, the next leading sack getter for the Cardinals was Robert Kabiche with four and a half. So there was a big drop off there. So they brought in Terrell Suggs, who went to high school and college in Arizona and went to Arizona State. And uh, they hope that he has a little bit left in the tank. He's a good locker room guy. As far as getting to the passer, maybe Brooks Reed, who's on PUP to start things, he's also a guy that's done it in his his long career. Um, this is a team that, that wants to get after the quarterback but also wants to be able to use utilize that secondary. And at the back end of the secondary, it's very impressive. They've got DJ Swearinger, who they got to pick up because the Washington Redskins released him on Christmas Day last year. They picked him up off waivers with that priority, brought Swearinger back. They've got Buda Baker, who they're expecting big things from. They invested in the NFL draft. Deontay Thompson uh, from Alabama and then Jalen Thompson in the supplemental draft alone selection there at a Washington State. So they're secondary, especially at the safety position. It's young, it's athletic, you like it. Byron Murphy was arguably the number one cornerback coming out of the draft. They get him at this, the first pick in the second round out of Washington. So they've got some pretty good young players in the defensive secondary and then some old wily veterans like Robert Elford who came out from the Atlanta Falcons uh, organization released there. Tremaine Brock who's played a couple stints in the NFC West uh, who's going to be playing there probably vying for some playing time with Patrick Peterson on the shelf for the first six games of the season. And also what you look at is their schedule and – You've got the Lions, the Ravens, the Panthers, the Seahawks to start things. And if you look at it, it's probably – I think the Lions are probably transitioning to a carry-on Johnson-centric offense, more so than a Matt Stafford-type pass most of the downs. And if you look at those four teams, those are mostly run-heavy offenses, and it might help the team as they try to make up for a major – major, major uh, suspension in Patrick Peterson. It, it could help that they're not facing some of the pass-heavy offenses in the NFL right now. Definitely some questions for the Cardinals' defense as they look to get back on track. Obviously, trying to find their identity without Patrick Peterson, their premier lockdown corner. We're going to get into the Broncos coming up in just a moment in segment number two. But, Bo, tell our listeners about our good friends over there at Blue Chew. Yeah, let's talk about sex. Not just sex, but good sex. Remember the days when you're always just ready to go. Now you can increase your performance, get extra confidence in bed. Just listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue, the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as the pill. So you're ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, it isn't just for guys who can't perform. 
form. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew, prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person's doctor visit. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. We use the special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew, it's better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, jumping into segment number two here, Broncos storylines. I've had the, the privilege of attending Broncos camp yesterday, and I'm there this morning as well covering the Broncos. And I tell you what, one thing has been the heat. I, I know there's a difference between Colorado heat and Arizona heat, but uh, definitely a lot of fun storylines. And uh, I'm eager to hear what you have to ask me regarding the Broncos because I have a lot to digest to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start. I mean, we talked about Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. You also have a ch- coaching change there in Denver. Vic Fangio comes over. The def- the lone, Was he the lone defensive-oriented higher this offseason he comes over from the bears what are you seeing so far what are you liking are there things that maybe you dislike from fangio in his first training camp as it starts you know there is a stark difference i was at training camp last year when vance joseph was the head coach and, and vic fangio is the head coach now and the way that practice is is structured it's more attention to detail they've gone away with playing music during practice which is something i like uh, as a coach myself because it gives your assistant coaches more opportunity to teach and coach the guys without having to talk over the music and guys are more focused you know guys aren't just standing on the sideline dancing around coach fangio is all business and you know he's got the nickname he, he's the godfather as Khalil Mack would say, he's got this mentality to him where everything is just, it's, it's attention to detail, focus oriented, and he wants his players listening to his coaches. His coaches are also great teachers. I, I happen to be sitting next to Ed Donatel, who he brought over from Chicago uh, to Denver this year. And Ed Donatel is a phenomenal teacher when it comes to coaching points and, and making sure that drills are crisp and precise and, and every player understands it because everybody learns differently. He's very, very good at teaching, which the Broncos haven't had that. I, I feel like they haven't had that dynamic from a coaching staff in a long time since Gary Kubiak and Wade Phillips were on the Broncos coaching staff. You know, the Broncos were relatively young all across the board, the coaching staff last year, Vance Jones, Joseph just I felt like a lot of times too and there are a lot of people that feel the same way he was way too far over his head when it comes to being a head coach now maybe it'll be simpler if him being a defensive coordinator but definitely you know I like coach Fangio is no nonsense guy he's old school he's definitely the type of coach I want to play for Von Miller and this Broncos defense really they really have their hands on they love what coach Fangio has done. Yeah, I can imagine a guy like Von Miller is excited to couple himself with the defensive mind of Vic Fangio. But the question has been the last couple of years, that offense, Cody Rourke, Bo Brock here, locked on NFL, talking some Denver Broncos. Joe Flacco looks like he's the guy who's going to be under center to start the season. He's the veteran. But when you look at the rest of the starting uh, players for the Broncos offense, it's Philip Lindsay, second year running back. You've got a pair of second season wide receivers and Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, tight end position. They might go to Jake Butt if he finally gets healthy. And then Noah Fant was your first round pick. It's a lot of youngsters around a veteran quarterback. Is that going to mix well in your opinion? 
Yeah, I believe it will. And, and one thing is, Joe Flacco's come in right away. He's he's taking command of the offense. He's still learning a new scheme himself. Rich Scangarello, first-year offensive coordinator, spent time as a quarterback's coach for the 49ers, discovered Nick Mullins over there, who really kind of emerged out of nowhere on the NFL scene last year. But one of the things with Joe Flacco in comparison to some of these young guys, you have a backup veteran guy right now in Kevin Hogan. He's having a really rough start to camp. He's had struggles, some inconsistencies, a lot of interceptions so far. So he's trying to stage off some of the younger guys too. Drew Locke, second round pick from Missouri, a guy that is a project that needs to develop and and the Broncos coaching staff understands that. If Drew Locke has to play as a starting quarterback for the Broncos in 2019 at any point of this upcoming season, something is terribly wrong. And it's either because due to a major injury or a couple injuries, but they want to develop him. He still has a lot of things in his game he has to sharpen up before being thrown out there on the NFL field. A lot of people are enamored with his arm, having a big arm. Well, if you can't hit the short to intermediate stuff, if you have inconsistencies in your footwork, you know those are things that are going to affect your game, especially against very disciplined NFL defenses, playing in a tough AFC West, which we'll talk about coming up up in segment number three but you know the, I, I think the key thing for their maturity wise these young guys Brett Rippon uh, undrafted guy out of Boise State also on the roster for the Broncos these young guys are learning behind Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco came out in this offseason because he was asked by the media does he feel like it's his job to mentor these young guys and, and he said no my job is not to do that my job is to come in here and win football games and a lot of people kind of took it the wrong way but ideally he's 110 percent correct because as a quarterback you know, he's going to lead by example. So those quarterbacks in those meeting rooms need to follow what he's doing and they need to be able to learn the playbook at their own pace and need to be able to ask the coach for uh, tips or, or obviously constructive criticism. But Joe Flacco was, was brought in specifically to help the Broncos win from now. And then maybe if Drew Locke can develop under behind a guy like Joe Flacco, then maybe Drew Locke can take over the reins at some point in time and the Broncos can can continue on with some offensive success, which they haven't had in a long time. So for me, the dynamic between these guys, the veteran guy of of Joe Flacco, you know, there's some things I've noticed with him in practice the last couple of days is – He's definitely the smartest guy on the field. I would say he's definitely quarterback one by a long shot, uh, uh, way ahead of everybody between Locke, Hogan, and Rippon, and it's evident that. So he's kind of learning the the offensive scheme himself a little bit more. He's testing himself. He's he's trying to put some throws out there, Um, and and I think ultimately for him that's going to be good. So sometimes when you see him force a throw, he's just trying to identify, develop that chemistry with some of these younger receivers because outside of Emmanuel Sanders – the receiving core for the Broncos is super, super young. Yeah, Cody, it's an interesting conversation. I think maybe Peyton Manning would have been more on the side of Joe Flacco than what everybody else wants. They want this idea of these veteran quarterbacks to really be there as kind of a, 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 a some somebody that they can just young quarterbacks can throw questions off and get answers about. But they also have to factor in that Flacco's learning a completely new offense, and this is all new to him. Sure, I'm sure he's not telling Drew Locke to get out of his face or anything like that. But as far as really taking him under his wing, you know that's not you know part of that's not part of his job description. And I think Manning probably was the same competitor that Flacco is, where he's not just going to relinquish the reins of the starting quarterback position just because people think that that's where he is in his career. I think it's just an interesting conversation. Um, And and Locke, you know what's interesting about him is he kind of gives me a little bit of a Jay Cutler just skill set, not necessarily how he conducts himself on and off the field, but he's got that arm. He's really got that strong arm. He can sling it. I think uh, that that's if there's any way to dress up and and really compliment someone by saying they've got a look like Jay Cutler, it's his arm strength, in my yeah. opinion. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's definitely something that all of us media people have been talking about. He's like the good version of Jay Cutler, like the, ni- the nice version, a very social personality, you know, and he does have that arm talent, but arm talent alone in the NFL is not going to, to win you games. It's not going to give you a job. You have to be able to be consistent all around, protect the football, analyze your reads. And so for, I think the biggest thing I've noticed from Drew Locke at camp is he, he's taking his time processing things, which really kind of slows down the offense's productivity. It, it opens them up to being sacked. There was a a play yesterday I saw where he had a chance to step up into the pocket and through and throw the ball across the field. But what he ended up doing was he felt the pressure. He stepped into the lineman pretty much threw off his back foot and in a game that would have been a pick six. So he still has some of these bad habits that he's got to get out of his way from going from Mizzou all the way to the pro game. Cause he experienced a lot of change from offenses from freshman year all the way to his senior year at Mizzou. So there are, there's a lot to be desired with Drew Locke. And, and the, the most important thing for him is to keep developing uh, for the Broncos. Yeah, Cody, who stands in your opinion, whether it's in the in the coaching staff or as far as the roster is concerned, of all this changeover uh, to make the biggest impact in 2019? You know, I think the biggest thing, too – I, I think coaching is going to be a big difference maker. I think the difference in coaching right now, I'm eager to see it. As of right now, I, I like the way the coaching is going, the culture that the Broncos have established inside that locker room, onto the practice field, with the coaches that they have that are taking time to really teach them and hold them accountable. There's a completely different vibe with the coaching staff this year than there was last year with the Broncos. I think coaching is a big difference now. The Broncos do have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. If they do struggle this year, even Vic Fangio has come out and said it himself, we want to build. He said, my first year, when I came to Chicago, we went from I, I believe it was four and twelve to the next year ten and six, eleven and five, so on and so forth. So for these guys, it's it's all about growth and it's about monitoring that. And the Broncos are analyzing the situation the right way. And looking at that defense, which is it just you, you just trust that the Broncos are going to show up on defense. You mentioned Von Miller, of course, your all-world uh, pass rusher, and then coupled him with Bradley Chubb, who had 12 sacks in his rookie season. Uh, are we at any point expecting that Chubb is going to pass uh, Von Miller as far as sacks and maybe become the leader of the defense? I know it's his sophomore season <laughs> for the most part, but what are the expectations for a young player like Chubb, who was drafted fifth overall, and of course has you know the highest of ceilings? Well, the biggest thing, too, Coach Fangio has come out and said that Bradley Chubb is the perfect type of player for this defense. Now, I think between both Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, they they are considered one of the top pass rushing duos in the entire NFL. Last year, Von Miller, 14 sacks, and then Bradley Chubb at 12 sacks. So they left their mark a little bit on the NFL. Chubb broke the, the Broncos' rookie record for sacks, breaking Von Miller's record there for 12 sacks in his rookie season. And the expectation, I think the hopes that a lot of people have is that each Von Miller and Bradley Chubb at least get 15 sacks each, which would be a, a crazy accomplishment. But certainly it was it was achievable last year when the Broncos were absolutely just very undisciplined, ran a lot of cover zero, a lot of cover one, and they were still able to make that happen. So, I mean, it's certainly doable. We've seen what Coach Fangio's defenses can do. So if he can formulate that and utilize these guys, I really strongly believe that both Von Miller and I think Bradley Chubb can have a phenomenal year under the scheme. And Von Miller even attested he wants to win an NFL Defensive Player of the Year. It's possible that they do it. 
this year. So definitely something that I'm intrigued to see. And uh, obviously, we're going to get into our final segment coming up in just a moment here. Segment number three, taking a look at the AFC, NFC West quick rundown of what to expect within the division. But before we get to that, I got to remind you guys to check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter is your one-stop shop with every local expert around the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On NFL Network on one single Twitter feed with training camp starting up this week. The Broncos have already been going, so we've already been on that, but the rest of the NFL reports, so that means every single host around the Locked On NFL Network is tweeting out training camp news relative to their team. If you want it all on one single feed, at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter is where you need to go today. Go over there on Twitter and click follow. All right, diving into our final segment here on today's episode of Locked On NFL. Cody Rourke, Bo Brack filling in for Matt Williamson, who's enjoying, a, I, I assume he's enjoying, a very well-deserved vacation. He will be back with you guys next week. But we're going to get into a quick little rundown of both divisions that the Broncos and the Cardinals are in because they're both tough divisions. And I'm going to start off real quick here with the NFC West. Now, when we take a look at where the Cardinals are at in the NFC West comparison to last year, definitely you got to think the Rams right now on paper, are the favorites to win that division. The Seahawks, always a tough team. They always find a way to be in it every single year. 49ers still trying to find their identity while being young and and hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo can come back from that torn ACL. And then obviously the new storyline with Kyler Murray, a new head coach for the Cardinals. And I think the one thing that does bode well for the Cardinals, having Larry Fitzgerald, the guy who's been so loyal to them, back for another season but where do you see if you can give a quick rundown here as we get the end of the show here what is your quick thoughts on the nfc west and how everything kind of unfolds heading into the season yeah it's a very top heavy division i mean i think you know who the true contenders are even going into 2019 it's it's going to be the rams and it's going to be the seahawks who are going to be just duking it out as far as who's going to take the crown in 2019. And I mean, we'll see what happens with Todd Gurley and if the Rams can kind of return, maybe avoid the old uh, Super Bowl hangover after they lost to the New England Patriots and what Gurley's health is going to be going into the season. Uh, are, are people finally going to adjust to Sean McVay? Um, they lost in Dominican Sioux. They're trying to get Cooper Cup back on a after an ACL tear, get him back into the lineup, hopefully get him acclimated. But I still think there's a lot of talent across that roster for the Rams to even kind of sleepwalk themselves into contention as far as the division's concerned. And then you look at what happened with the Seahawks. You know, they still they're a heavy run team. They just gave the lucrative extension to Russell Wilson. I mean, even more weight is it possible falls on his shoulders to produce just highly efficient twenty eight seasons and 35 touchdowns uh, for a run first offense um we'll, we'll see what they can get from the run game it, with, with penny and carson who are very very uh good backs and then we'll see if, if one of these teams at the bottom as far as the niners and the cardinals if one of them can emerge i mean we seem to have been waiting for the 49ers to to emerge of course they had the setback as far as jimmy g jimmy garoppolo's acl tear last year but if he stays healthy can they get into contention i like their defensive line they were kind of gift wrapped at nick and the NFL draft at number two after the Cardinals went with uh, Kyler Murray. We'll see what if, if the Niners can finally put it together, but I still see a couple holes there, still looking for some weapons as far as the offensive side of the ball. Who's Jimmy G going to throw to? Is it going to be Debo Samuel? Um, uh, coming from South Carolina, the uh, the second-round pick, is he going to be enough for them to get it done? George Kittle, and, yeah. Yeah, George Kittle, absolutely. And then the Cardinals, I, I do see kind of a boom-bust here with the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, 
duo. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be an in-between here with this with this in this plan moving forward. If it works, I think that the Cardinals really can make some noise, especially with how the beginning of their schedule works out with the Lions, Ravens, Panthers, Seahawks, Bengals. I think that they can get off to a hot start, certainly kind of create some excitement around their fan base. But as far as contending for the division, I don't think that's really something that's that's that, that's a reality for this team just yet. But I think that a guy like Kyler Murray has the athletic ability uh, the playmaking ability to to beat some of the top division teams, maybe surprise a Rams once this season, maybe surprise a Seahawks team this season. But as far as really fighting and contending for an NFC West crown, I think that that's very unrealistic. If this team can go six and ten, seven and nine, that'd be a fantastic year. And especially if each and every week it's a little bit closer than it was in 2018. I think those are the true expectations. The NFC West, it's going to be a dogfight between Seattle and uh, and Los Angeles and the rest. It's going to be the Cardinals and the Niners really duking it out to avoid another seller finish. One, I think, too, I think it is one of the toughest divisions in football. And I also look at the AFC West, too, which, in my opinion, on paper, could be one of the toughest divisions in football. We mentioned the Raiders have the NFL's toughest schedule according to strength of schedule, and the Broncos are second behind them with the toughest schedule in terms of strength of schedule for this upcoming season. And you look at the AFC West, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, I mean, they're getting Tyreek Hill back, no suspension, nothing along those lines. They're getting Travis Kelsey back. Sammy Watkins is fully healthy going into training camp. Damian Williams also at running back. And then you also factor in Travis Kelsey still at the tight end position. Their offense with Patrick Mahomes, the expectation is can NFL teams slow them down? And I think everything, every move the Broncos have made this offseason, I think they're going to do whatever they can to kind of slow that offense down a little bit. Vic Fangio kind of predicated a little bit of a formula. He slowed down the high-scoring L.A. Rams offense in December on Sunday Night Football last season. And teams started utilizing that same formula against the Chiefs, and also the Patriots utilized the same thing against the Rams in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, the formula is out there. Patrick Mahomes, the biggest question, can he replicate what he did last year? Certainly arm talent. Certainly a lot of plays where he just makes these freakish plays, and and all of a sudden they want to put whatever he does in Madden, like the no-look pass. I mean, that stuff like that. Stuff that is really unorthodox from a real football standpoint. And then one of the other things we also have to take a look at in terms of where the AFC West is, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers coming back. I mean, every single year, they seem to be the team in the AFC West that is not talked about, and they they tend to make strong statements every year. They beat the Chiefs in Kansas City last year. They made a run in the playoffs, and you know they just lost to the Patriots, and, and everybody loses to the Patriots some reason in the postseason. They they get there, though, but Phillip Rivers, uh, always good, always effective. Keenan Allen, healthy, very dangerous. Melvin Gordon, if they can pay him and get him back onto the field, that will benefit them. They do have Austin Eckler behind him. They're getting Hunter Henry back. That division, I mean, even defensively Derwin James who could be a surefire early candidate for defensive player of the year uh, as a projected type guy and then obviously Melvin Ingram Joey Bosa so on and so forth they have a lot of talent there defensively and then you go to the Raiders you have Derek Carr but then you have the additions of Tyrell Williams Antonio Brown being some of the biggest pickups for the offensive side of the ball former Bronco Brennan Marshall coming over to play inside backer Vontez perfect a lot of familiarity there with defensive coordinator down there for the Oakland Raiders Paul Gunther so the biggest question is where do these teams finish it could be a dogfight and this could be the one division where we could see and and also same thing i say for the nfc west if if there could be a situation 
where there could be three teams in one division in the playoffs, one of them being the division winner, two possible wild cards. It's certainly possible. It's happened before, but I think the Broncos have a really big uphill climb this season. The biggest thing for me, the the key I'm focusing on the most, Bo, is if the Broncos can be more competitive than they were last year. And, And there were times where they just seemed defeated last year on the field. Not sure quite what it was. But the attitude, the culture right now early on at Broncos camp indicates that they have a lot of big plans for 2019. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if John Gruden in his second year back, because he really did kind of look overmatched and his coaching style looked like it was from a different era and it wasn't going to catch catch up with the additions in the offseason that you mentioned, the Antonio Brown, Terrell Williams, that offense has been retooled, all the draft picks that they had in the first round, you know, Cleveland Farrell, which was a surprise at the top of the draft. Um, is it going to pay off for them to where they can maybe hurdle the Broncos in the standings? I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean too much for you. That would go from fourth to third. But, you, you know, that would be that would be a step in the right direction for a team like the Raiders. So we're going to be in hard knocks, and I can imagine that this is going to be must-see TV, but is it going to translate to a better team, a better product on the field? Uh, that, that's a big question mark there. And John Gruden's going to have his hands full. You know, he's dealt with personalities before, but can he deal with Antonio Brown? That's going to be a big, big question mark for me that I look forward to seeing how the AFC West plays out. I look forward to seeing how the NFC West plays out between Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, as these guys look to lead their teams in a very, very tough division as the NFL season gets ready to approach us. Obviously, every team around the National Football League has reported for a training camp. And reminder to check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter for all the one-stop shop action from every local host around the Locked On NFL Network. But this was fun filming in for Matt Williamson. He'll be back with you guys next week. But I'm Cody Rourke, host of Locked On Broncos. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. And Bo, thanks for joining me today. Tell listeners of the show how they can follow you on social media as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. At Bob Rack is the easiest way to find me on Twitter. Just put it in your search queue, at Bob Rack. You'll find me, Bo Brock, there on Twitter, at Locked On AZ Cards. That's our, our uh, show Twitter handle as well. At Clancy's Corners, my co-host. We like to mix it up each and every day, breaking down the latest from the Arizona Cardinals as we gear you up for the 2019 season. It's finally here. We was excited to talk to a national audience about it and uh, can't wait to talk to our Cardinals fan base even more as Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury get into the thick of things. It's going to be fun. So listeners of Locked On NFL, if you guys would do us a favor, please go listen to Locked On Broncos and listen to Locked On Cardinals for Broncos and Cardinals action exclusively here on the Locked On NFL Network. I also want to thank our sponsor of today's show, Blue Chew, for sponsoring today's episode. Well, this was really fun. Matt Williamson will join you guys next week. We will.